reading from the New International Version, Luke 15, verse 11 through 32. If you're all there, say amen. amen. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Take me like one of your hired men. So he got up, went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed a fatted calf because he has has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all of these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, You were always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. And be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Heavenly Father, thank you for the unction and the anointing, the presence that I feel even now that's falling upon all of us. Holy Spirit, come and do what you love to do. Won't you just invite God's presence right now? Come right now. Move and stir among us. Not a lecture, Lord. Impartation of truth. An impartation of your spirit that would transform our lives for the glory of God. And we thank you and praise you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. The notes you have are probably the longest set of notes I have ever produced, ever. Don't let that scare you. Some of you have been here. So for Father's Day, we usually have four-hour services, so you just hang on. I don't know. I just got. We don't have a four-hour service. We may someday, but we we don't now. Uh, the notes are just verbose. 
the Father's heart. I want you to say that. The Father's, the Father's heart. This is a message on the Father's heart. Now, I, I've given notes to you, uh, not because I like doing them, frankly. It requires a lot of work. Uh, I, I do that so that you can fill those notes in yourself and uh, go preach it to somebody else or perhaps make a collection like our dear sister Broom does. And, uh, and, and you can collect them and go preach them to somebody else later on. And we'll also help you to remember what I'm teaching and preaching this morning. Next to the parable of the Good Samaritan, the parable of the prodigal son, as it's called, and I think it's misnamed, is one of Jesus' favorite parables for me. Many people know the story of the prodigal son. I think it should be renamed, however. I think it should be renamed to the waiting father. There's really two prodigal sons there. But really, the, the, the focus is on the Father. And we're going to understand this text of Scripture from a Middle Eastern perspective. Now, there's three main people. There's the younger son, the older son, and the father. And, of course, you have servants. But three main characters, the younger, the older, and the father. Now, the younger son, let's look at him. When he said, Father, give me my share of the estate. What he was really saying. Now, they didn't have ATMs, okay? They didn't just go and or go to the bank and give him a bank check for the contents of half of what his, what his assets were from the bank. They didn't have it like that. They had money and they had a way of doing commerce. But all of the man's, all of the man's wealth was in land and property. So for the, for the son to say, give me my share of estate, he's really saying, give me what you would give me when you're dead. You have to understand that when Jesus is talking to these people, their, their understanding of culture is not always the same understanding that we have of culture. So when the younger son says, give me my share of the estate, he's basically saying, you know, father, I wish you were dead. He was dishonoring his father. He said, give me what was mine. Whatever you're going to give me in the, in, when you were dead and gone, I want it now. Wow. Honor your father and mother. Have a long life. Dishonor mom and dad. Have a short one. The converse of that is true. Honor releases life. Dishonor releases death. Give me what is mine, it says there in, in, in B. He was bound by greed. And if you to understand what it would take for the father to liquidate his land... It had to be like a short sale, we would put it that way. It was a, it, he had to dump his land as fast as possible. And how many of you, if you ever had to do that, you usually, come on, every of you had like a distress sale, don't, don't raise your hand. There's distress sales all over America right now. People having garage sales, selling their, their portable gym that they bought for three grand for 500 bucks. Bad, you know, that's a bad deal. Invest three grand, sell for 500. No, I, I was always taught buy low, sell. Hi, yeah, that, that's the plan for investing. This was a distress sale. And now we don't know how, how much land this father had, but it, the, the picture is that it's sizable, and it could very well have displaced other people. It could have, it could have displaced and interrupted commerce and towns. The father had to liquidate what he had and give it to his son who demanded his, demanded his inheritance. It was really the son was saying, I don't care who I hurt. He was selfish. He was hurting people openly and he didn't really give a flip. Flip. F-L-I-P. Or fig. He didn't give a fig. He didn't care. 
He didn't care who was going to hurt. It was me, 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 gimme, gimme, gimme. My name is Jimmy. Now, if your name is Jimmy, don't be offended. All right. It's just a little rhyme we have. So he sets off with his money. Look at look at two. Roman numeral two. Two. He sets off with his money to a faraway country there and he squanders it. And as a self-centered man, he took no thought of his future. I remember somebody telling me, I don't need to have any insurance. I don't need to have any insurance. I said, really? Why is that? That's because I'm going to live when Jesus comes back. ain't going to need any insurance. Well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Look, you, you, <laughs> Of course, I didn't quite say it that way. I used pastoral grace and said, you know, brother, you might rethink that. You're to live like he's coming back any second. Plan like he's not coming in your lifetime. Come on. A, 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 a godly man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So he didn't really take you as a self-centered, this younger, the younger brother was a self-centered man, took no thought of his future, only his present happiness. Now, I don't know about you, but I have lived that way, and it is not smart. It's not good. It's not good planning. It's not God. He hungered for all kinds of things. Let me say this. Anytime you hunger for anything but God, it's going to end in your humiliation. I'm going to say that again because that's good preaching. Anytime you hunger for anything but God, you're beginning to elevate something and make it an idol. And it will end in your humiliation because God loves you. He'll cause that thing to fall so that you don't... Look, you have very real needs. We have very real needs that Jesus will meet. But if you get those needs met outside of Christ, outside of the covenant of Him, then, then you're going to have a problem. So this young man, he, he took all the money and he, he didn't care. He, he blew it on his on his pleasure and, and, and found sinful pleasure. And I will tell you that sin has pleasure for a season. And then it reaps its reward, which is the wages of sin. How many of you work a job? All right. All right. You get paid for working your job. Maybe you have a business. You get a wage from that. All right. You know what the wage of sin is? The big paycheck called death. Good, I'm glad you guys are encouraged. He found sinful pleasure, but it only lasted for a moment. His circumstances changed, and he became in need. A Jewish boy who's not supposed to have anything to do with pigs ends up working for a farmer. Now, I think it's a Gentile because he had pigs. It was a cursed animal. And he's feeding the pigs. It represents the lowest that you can possibly get. Feeding the pigs. And he comes to, he's brought to his senses. Now, it doesn't say this in the text, but I just have a picture of the father crying and travailing for his son who's lost and praying. For all of you parents who have kids who are feeding the pigs today, You pray. I was a pig feeder myself. Anybody else? All right, there's some different hands, not the same four. That's the, all right. I believe the Father is praying, interceding. He's, 
his need brought him to his senses. You know, it's a great thing when your circumstances are so painful that it brings you to God. When you have circumstances that press you to the point where you cry out, it might be that that God look God God allows for things to happen. Not everything not everything is His will. Because we we do things that are foolish and we get the result of that. And I'm thankful, you know, for me, I had to go to I had to go to feeding pigs, if I could just say it that way for this morning. I had to be basically. I, I might have been one of the pigs. I, I don't know. I, I I really went pretty low. There's lower, but I went I went very low before I looked up. Praise God that the Lord will allow for people to come to the end of themselves. You can decide this can be the end of yourself today. They say they say in AA and recovery programs, you got to get to the bottom, brother, sister. Got to get to the bottom. The bottom. If you took a shovel and went out in your backyard and dug three holes, one five foot deep, one ten foot deep, and one twenty foot deep, jump in the bottom of all of them, they're all the bottom. What's your point? My point is, why don't you just decide, if you have anything to do with pigs today, why don't you decide that you're at the bottom? Start looking up. Thanks. He fed the pigs and he longed for their food. He, his, his circumstances, his need brought him to his senses. And he didn't stop there. I don't know. You know, for me, I've come to my senses in times past before fully yielding my life and giving my life to Christ, before fully yielding to the Lord and making him Lord before that. I'd come to my senses, make a plan, and then just not follow through. He made a plan and did something. He made a plan to come back home. So he decides to return to his father and repent and be humbled. The greatest realization that, we, that we've sinned. We, we've all sinned. Everybody here has fallen short. And, and the truth is, whatever level of sin you might even be participating in today, whatever skeleton you might have in your closet, you say, well, it's all not that bad. It's all bad. All right? It, it's all, everybody say, it's all, you heard it's all good. This is all bad. Sin is all bad. And it's, it's feeding pigs, if you will, to some degree. And we really need to realize that we've all sinned. And, you know, I remember hearing early on in my walk with the Lord that this man said, Look, if you found yourself to be at the end of the tracks and it's the wrong track, just go back to the switching station, get on the right train, and get to where you're supposed to get getting. Get getting. It's a great thing when you wake up and you realize, I think I, uh, I think my compass course, I think I've missed. That's a gift. Repentance is a gift from God. So this young man, the younger brother, he comes to repentance and he goes home. He begins to go home. He realizes how great he had it in his father's house. Do you ever realize you never really appreciate how great you feel until you get sick? Does anybody understand that? You know, when you get sick, you're like, oh, this is horrible. When you're in pain and agony or when things are really difficult, you think, man, I had it so good just a few weeks ago. The younger brother. Let's look at the older brother. The older brother, he's really also a prodigal. And you've got to understand when he's sharing this, when Jesus is sharing this, you had Pharisees right there. 
And when he shares his older brother picture, it's like the prophet Nathan saying to David, Thou art the man, because this is, the, this is really who the prodigals were, the older brother. And by application, it's for those who are even in church today. I don't understand your birthright in God. The older brother, by his unwillingness to come in, you know, you saw in the text, he, he stayed outside. The father had to go get him. By his unwillingness to come in to the celebration, instead of instead standing outside, he was making a statement. So you get the whole picture. There's this huge party celebrating the fact that this lost younger son who'd squandered everything, is now back home. He's not dead. He's alive. And everybody's doing the hat dance. And they're just, they're just doing it. They're just excited. He's home. Woo! The older brother hears the sound. I, I want to say that there's a sound that'll come forth from Alaska. There's a sound that'll come forth that was prophesied just recently, Lou Engle, different ones. There's a sound that's going to come forth from the house of God in this hour that's going to draw people in that once walked with Him in freedom. And He hears the sound and dancing. He hears the sound and sees the dancing and is like, man, there's a party. What's going on? I asked one of the servants and he refuses to go inside. I'm not going into that I'm not going into that party. I'm not going in. First of all, dancing's not of the Lord. And banners. How many of you ever waved a banner? All right. How many of you just are willing to be bold today? Don't worry, you can stay in your seat. I still, there's one, two, the same four, but come on. How many of you have these ribbons right here on your Bible? Watch this. Watch this. Come on. Watch out. Watch out. Let me see the ribbons. Let me see them. You say, I'm going to lose my place. Let's take a piece of paper in there or something. Come on, go. you got to close it. Let's see the ribbons. Hey, now you've waved a banner. Isn't that awesome? Okay. Now, if, if I don't tie that in, then you just enjoy it as an isolated hole. Okay. He says, I'm not going in. And by not going in, he's basically saying, I'm dishonoring you, Dad. I don't agree with what you're doing. What you're doing is messed up. You never should have brought that, that young man of yours, that son of yours, not even my brother. That son of yours, he's not my brother. No brother of mine goes and wastes their money and goes with prostitutes. I love how he throws that in. You know, the text doesn't say he's with prostitutes. And as many times taught that, yeah, the younger, he squandered it in wild living. Now, we could say that wild living includes prostitutes. But the younger, the, the older brother is kind of embellishing a little bit. I think he's throwing that in. And maybe he was with prostitutes. We don't know. But that older brother thing, that pharisaical thing, is an ugly deal. Is also a prodigal. He dishonors the father for I disagree with what you're doing. He's basically saying that your father, my father's crazy. I'm not going in to be a party of that. I'm disowning my brother. He'll not forgive him. It's saying he's not forgiving him, basically. And the older son's heart is revealed. He says, look, all these years I have been slaving. I mean, you know, I've read this. If I've read it once, I've read it a hundred times. I just never caught that. I never caught the fact that the older brother sees his relationship with the father as a slave. 
Some people see their relationship with with God as a as a he's a loving slave owner. That is not a biblical picture of who you are. You're a son or a daughter. You've been adopted. You've been grafted in. He wants to co-labor with you. He doesn't want to stick his Galilean finger in your face and tell you to do something. This older brother saw his relationship with the father as something of slavery, a drudgery, a bondage. And there are people that go to church because they have to. And they know that if they don't, then God Almighty is going to come and strike them. Somebody's like, Amen! Look, that's not the picture. That's not the loving God we serve. Is there judgment? There is. But really, judgment is a picture of His love. Some of you are like... I don't think so. No, it is. You see, if you're doing something that's going to interrupt your walk with Him, it's going to hurt you, He'll allow for things to fail. And that could really be a form of judgment so that you really get in love with God. Look, He will smite everything that hinders love. The Father's heart. Unforgiveness. I mean, there's messages in every one of these points. Some of you come to church and you just can't stand the person on the other side. Or you come to church on Sunday night because you come Sunday morning, you might see that dude that burned you. Or that sister that talked bad about you. So someone else said. Did you catch that? She's a gossip. How do you know? Someone told me. Matthew eighteen fifteen. Do it. Do Matthew eighteen. What's that? If somebody has, if somebody sins against you, look, confront them. Confrontation keeps things clean. Some of you can't stand confrontation. I was one that hated confrontation. I now love it. You know why? Because I don't like the what gets produced out of not confronting things. I've taught my kids and will continue to teach them confront stuff. If you feel like something's wrong, then you need to talk about it. If you feel like somebody's got something against you, go up and ask them if they do with a, with a, with a, with a gentle spirit. And then if they, maybe you've done something wrong that you didn't know. Then you can repent. So I didn't do it, so I don't need to repent. Oh, just humble yourself and repent anyway. To not, to not have that is to, is to have problems. This older brother not only doesn't he's disowned the younger brother, and he's not forgiven him. And out, he's outside with his arms folded in bitterness. I'm not going into that party. I'm not going in there. Dishonors his father. Disagrees with everything his father's saying. The heart of God is to bring reconciliation. This whole parable is a picture of the father's heart. Saw as serving his father as slavery. Look at B. There's no relationship between the older son and the father. He doesn't know his father's heart. He doesn't have his father's DNA, if you will. Spiritual DNA. Something went wrong. He was, he's as self-centered as a younger brother, really. You never gave me a young goat. 
It's all about me. For my glory and my fame. It's not about you. It's all about Him. Me, 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 me. The unholy trinity. Me, myself, and I. It's all about Him. The third person that we look at is a picture of our Heavenly Father on Father's Day. I've selected this because as fathers and as the people of God, so that would include mothers as well, we all need to have a heart like the Father had. And we need to compare ourselves with who God is, not who somebody else is or who you think you should be like. We should be like this right here. In verse 20, it says, While his son was afar off, we're talking now about the third character. We've talked about the younger son. We've talked about the older son. The older son of the Pharisees or religious people. The younger son is basically anybody that's gone off and sinned and turned their back on the Lord. The third person is the waiting father, a picture of our heavenly father. And the two parables before this, the lost coin or the lost sheep and the lost coin, there's the, the father, like that, the father's looking for his lost son. It's a picture of, of, of the heart of God. He looks for the lost. He leaves the 99 to save the one. Sometimes I think we have what I call 99-itis. Or koinonitis. You heard of koinonia? Koinonitis is when we spend so much time with the body, we never leave to go get anybody. Or 99-itis. It's a church disease. Us four and no more. Not the same four that raising your hand. Different, different. Different four. While the sons are far off, it says in verse 20, the father, by saying that, the father begins to run. He's looking for why The only way you can see something afar off is to look for something. We were out at our Hatcher's Pass uh, property out there and you can see the mountains and we didn't have a, a glass to to look on the mountains but we look for these little white dots they're sheep and big horn sheep and we, we, you look for them and you can't see them right away but if you keep looking there's one is that one and you see it begin to move just we didn't have a set of glasses to check it out but it's a sheep. We had to look for it. The only way you can see a son that's afar off is if you're looking. The father is sitting there looking in agony. I believe he's in intercession and prayer. I think he's even fasting. Oh, God, bring home my son. That is the heart of the, the Lord God that we serve. He's like that. For all of us. He's not afar off, but he's as near as the word in your mouth. He's close to you. If you'll turn and come to your senses and come to him. Whatever level of Christianity you're at. I mean, you're in church. That's a good start. Praise God. Not that all people that go to church are saved. No. Any more than somebody who's been baptized, having baptismal waters dripping off their face. You can still split hell wide open. It's whether you've really repented of your sin, come to your own senses, and return to the Father's house like the younger, like the younger son. So the father, he's, he's, he was looking for the younger son to return. That's the heart of God. He waits for us. He waits for us. The Song of Solomon, it's, 
It's this beckoning call. Come away with me, my beloved. Come away with me. God is saying the same thing this morning. And the father was publicly dishonored by the younger son's actions, yet he looked for him to return. I will tell you, you know that good things are happening in your heart when people backstab you and burn you to the ground and all you can think is weep and cry and pray that God would bless them. I'm going to tell you, you know that God has done a work in your heart. Instead of raising your own fist and say, man, I, I'm just going to pray fire down on him. God. Burn him up. I mean, how many of you are thankful that you're not God? We'd all be crispy critters if we were God, right? Be like, what? Oh, yeah. Woo! took care of that problem his father doesn't do that he looks for his return look at three when the father saw his son he was filled with compassion not sympathy sympathy is sorry for what some sincerely sorry sympathy is feeling bad about what somebody's going through Compassion, very different. Compassion is something that, that is broken over what's happening, can not only feel the pain of that, but does something. Compassion includes action. So this father, he's, he's filled with compassion. And he ran to his sons. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Now, at that moment in this place where Jesus is sharing this parable, you've got to know that the air was probably sucked out of the room. You wouldn't really understand it. Like I said, we're looking at it from a near Eastern, uh, Middle Eastern perspective. What the son did really, at, very, at, at, at the least, deserved that he should never be a son anymore. At worst, would deserve death. So when the father sees him afar off, and he runs towards him. And he kissed on him. And he hugged him. It's beyond anything that would be thinkable for a Middle Eastern man to do. If a son did that to him. But that is the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of God we serve. That, that's the Father's heart. He was aware of what could happen if others got to his son first. I think that's one of the reasons he's running. Because if somebody else got to him, they'd beat him up for dishonoring the family. God forbid the older brother got to him. And at best, his son would have been publicly humiliated. At worst, he would have been killed for dishonoring the family, as I just said. And the father kissed and hugged him in spite of the dirt and the smell. Look, the guy just got out of the pig pen. He's not pretty. He didn't smell nice. And we'll have people that come into church, and if they stink, you better love on them. They could be a love test. Come on, some of your mother-in-law's a love test. Some of you, your husband's a love test. Many times when you go through things, and there's people that are there that are really irritating you, you don't want to be around them, it's a test. You've heard it? This is a test from the God broadcasting system. And to see what's in your heart. And many times God will offend the mind to reveal your heart. But for the grace of God, go you and I, ladies and gentlemen. So I've never fed pigs, never will. Well, shut up, you ugly saint. Pride. 
So the father run, kissed him, hugged him in spite of the dirt, in spite of the smell, in spite of the circumstances. He dove in and loved on his son. The father ran. And that's something of his, someone, something of his status Someone of his status would never do. They'd never run. For, for a man in that day to run, he would, he would have to basically... They didn't wear suits. They would have... I'm going to do it right. They would have a garment similar... They had like something like this, all right? So now for me to run, it's, ladies, is it hard to run in a skirt? It is hard. I mean, you have to kind of like, right? What do you have to do to run in a skirt? Who can tell me? Come on, I know some of you men, right? You've never worn a dress, praise the Lord. You have to, you have, come on, you got to get, you have to, you ever, you ever see, I, I, we went to welcome in some, some uh, soldiers that came in. I, I think, I, we went to go see Sergeant Hodges. And I think the, the first time, he wasn't in that batch, if I remember correctly, or we had to wait, or, I, I, I get confused. We went and saw a couple different people, but this one time that we went down on the base, they were waiting. When those soldiers came in, they're all standing there ready to be released. It is the most beautiful thing. I've, all I could do is weep. All I could do is weep. I walked through the bags. You guys are like, he's wearing a dress. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to get there. Hold on. I walked through the bags of all the different names on the bags. Polish names, Scottish names, Irish names, Italian names. Every single nation of the earth, their names are all over the bags. Our great military. Praise God. Our great country. We have a great country. I get really passionate when I talk about it. I said it, but it still had the dust from the sandbox on the, on the equipment. And I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed at all these bags. Then the guys come in. And I'm just thinking, man, and I could just see the hurt, the pain, some of their faces, all the families in the bleachers. Has any of you been a part of that? If you get to be a part of something like that, it'll change your life, man. I'm just telling you. They've waited for them to come home for a year plus. And some of these ladies, man, they got the stiletto heels on. They just got the dress is just like this. They're just super tight dress. And they're just like. And when I don't know, what do they say? Is they dismissed? What do they say, Sarge? They say dismissed. It's mayhem. It's just like the first thing we saw was this lady just running with everything in this pencil super tight skirt. She was just working it. She was the first one out there. When she saw her husband, she was just all, you know, jumped in his arms. To run in a skirt, you have to lift that thing up so then you can run and you can move freely. Do you know what I'm talking about? For this man to lift his skirt, to run after his son who was coming home, was ultimate dishonor. You don't show your thigh as a man of God. You don't do that. You just don't. It's a picture of open shame and humiliation. He did not care what the culture was. He did not care what people thought. He hiked up that garment and he ran with all of his heart. That is the heart of God. And it's a picture of Jesus taking the shame and the guilt and the, and the sin of the world upon his naked body. You know, we see it all cute and stuff in, in pictures. He was naked, people. He didn't have a little loincloth. 
He ran. And he restores his sons. He restores his son, rather, and holds a celebration attempting to reconcile the younger son with those who he had offended. The entire community was offended at him, and the whole community, I believe, was invited. You know what that's a picture of? The church. It's a picture of who we are. It's a picture of what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be a place where there's joy, unspeakable and full of glory. We're supposed to be a place that welcomes in those who are lost, those who are hurting, and those who are broken. And there should be joy that, listen, joy is the flag that flies of the heart where Jesus has been enthroned. Joy and the sound, the sound of music and dancing is heard. My goodness. What a mighty God we serve. The heart of the Father. It's amazing. Amazing. He reconciles the community, I believe, during that time. And the Father humbles Himself now to the older Son. Reaches out to the Pharisaical Son. And asks Him to come in. The older Son accuses the Father of being a hard taskmaster. You know, there are so many people that have distortions about God. And if you're distorted about who He is, and you will never live in freedom with Him. He is not a hard taskmaster. His burden is easy and His yoke is light. And when, when it, somebody once said to me, Pastor, it is so hard being a Christian. I thought, what? Dude, I know what hard is. This is not that. You know what hard is? Eating out of the pig slop. That's hard. Hard, the Bible says, is the way of the transgressor. But for somebody who's in Christ, look, it should not be. Well, there's seasons of sacrifice, sure. He bids you to come and die. Yeah. Woo, pick up your cross. <laughs> yeah. Put that on your mug. You don't have that. Pick up your cross and follow Him. If you deny yourself, then you gain life. If you try to save your life, then you lose it. Yeah, there's a process. It's a paradox of Christianity. Lay down your life, give your life to God, and He gives you a real one. Trade in whatever stuff that you have and get His life. It's a paradox. But if you don't trade that in, if you don't come to your senses, then you can end up in a faraway country feeding pigs and wonder why God doesn't love you. This older son had a distortion of who God was, of who his father was. And the father's heart of love is shown in both, to both sons. All right, let's, let me close this message. And Micah, would you come and let heaven come out of the keyboard nice and quietly, please? Reflecting on the father's heart individually, we see ourselves as the father's sons. All of us are either the older son or the younger one, or daughter. Some of you have been very rebellious. God is coming to you even this morning. He's been looking for you. With His arms outstretched. He's been looking for you. And the moment your heart begins to turn, you come to your senses to think, there's, there's got to be a better life. You begin to lift your eyes. He runs at you. He wants to run at you. Wrap His arms around you. God is asking you, praying. You say, God's praying? That's right. Jesus is seated at the right hand of majesty, making intercession. The heartbeat of God is that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. 
Yes. So some, some of you might be like the younger son. Some of you might be like the older son. Having been in church for years, yet you remain critical. You remain critical and disconnected from the heart of God. Always pointing the finger, murmuring, complaining. Instead of getting a broken heart for the lost and serving and loving. Expecting nothing in return. Serving. The Father waits for all of us really to turn. His, his love protects. He runs. Saves the Son from worse danger than the, the pods and starvation. He reconciles him. Gives him a robe. Gives him a ring. Gives him sandals. The sandals represent the gospel. The, the robe and the ring represent royalty. All of those things have, have a tremendous meaning. And all of them, I don't have time to go into all of it. Throws a great celebration for his son. The Bible says in Luke 15, in verse 7, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need to repent. When somebody's heart turns towards God, a great party breaks out in heaven. It should be that way here also. And, and I believe it is to a certain degree. The Father's love protects, reconciles, restores, and moves us into forgiveness. And we're to celebrate because heaven celebrates. We're to celebrate because heaven celebrates. Whether you just came in last week, whether you're going to give your heart to Jesus here in a few minutes, or whether you've been a Pharisee, somebody in church but never really abiding with the Lord, never really experiencing His love, being set on some performance thing. You know what performance orientation is? Performance orientation is this. It gets put in little boys and little girls by fathers or by mothers or by a community that, that says that the better that you do, the more that you're loved. The better looking you are, the more accepted you'll be. The more money you have, the better it'll be for you. And so as a little boy stands there with a baseball bat, a Louisville slugger, his hand at at eight years old and he winds up in little league and he hits the ball and he connects that time and it goes over the fence and his father's like yes son you're that's my boy just like your dad i knew you could do it and he gets loved and he gets goes out for a milkshake and it's like he hit a home run whoa next game the son strikes out and causes the last strikeout of the game the championship game maybe. And then his father, instead of loving him and accepting him and wrapping his arms around him and taking him for a milkshake and telling him, it's okay, son, it's all right. He says, what was wrong with you? I told you you shouldn't have been playing video games. I told you you should have been praying more. I told you you should have been not watching TV. What do you, what do you think you're doing? You're just like your mother's side of the family. My God, I have to put up with the likes of you. Why can't you be like your brother? And so we learn this love performance orientation thing that if we'll just if we'll just crack the ball and hit the home run then God will embrace us or if we'll just have more money then we'll just be more loved by God or if we could just be better Christians it's all a bunch of bunk those are not the, those are not truth scenarios truth is he loves you 
He loves you desperately just like you are. Whether you strike out or hit the home run, His love for you is consistent. Whether you have money or don't have money. Whether you have education or you don't have the education. He loves you. It's consistent. It does not change. Now, things that we do affect our relationship with Him? Absolutely. But He loves you consistently. Whether you've given your heart to Jesus or you have not yet done that, His love for you is the same. And there's not one thing, not one thing you can do about that. His love is consistent. It's called agape love. It's the heart of the Father. It's the heart of the Father. We need to be like that. Years ago, years ago, my, my father disowned me. That's how I remember it. I have to actually ask him if that really did happen, but that's what I remember, him saying, you're not my son. I'd done many, many horrible things. Too many to mention. I came to the Lord and I began to get on fire for God and God began to heal me and God began to set me free and Years went by of me walking consistently by the grace of God. Not quite sure how it happened. <laughs> just kept showing up. My testimony is I just, I just kept coming. You couldn't get rid of me. I, it was the place that I was experiencing the love that I'd looked for all my life. So there was no way that, that, that somebody gossiping about me was going to get me. I didn't care what anybody thought about me. I really didn't care. They already hated me before. So, I mean, who cares? A couple people are nice. And I realized that God loves me, so it's all good. Whatever. I figured the people in the church were nicer than the people in the street. Anyway, most of them. There are some exceptions. Anyway, I came and just kept coming, and I just wouldn't leave. Little by little, day after day and week after week, year after year, continued to take correction, continued to learn how to live, and would repent and repent and repent. And I'm still repenting. Praise God. God began to change my life. My older brother, who you'll meet, John, began to tell my father, Hey, Dad, he's different. He's, he's changed. He really, it's not like, it really, he's different. You ought to get to know him again. This has been three years, I think, since my father and I even talked. So we began to have conversations on the phone. And it wasn't very good, but we tried. It was short, but that grew. And I began to pray, and God began to reconcile, and years went by. I think I'd been in the ministry for about 10 years. And my father and I were good friends. And he'd never come to see me. Or He came to Kauai to visit me and my children. Fell in love with my kids and my wife. He, didn't, he wouldn't come to my wedding. He didn't come to my wedding when I got married. I mean, I was on fire for God for years. He wouldn't come. I'm not coming. I won't come to your wedding. He came to Kauai and was there for two weeks. The first weekend I thought, well, he's going to come to church. He's going to... He didn't come the first weekend. So the following weekend, it's a Saturday, and I said to my father, I said, Dad, I want you to come to my church. And he looked at me and he said, okay, I'll come. Oh, my. It was the worst torment that I ever had to go through to prepare that message to preach Sunday morning. Oh man, I had ever, I had been healed of my 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 desire for my father's approval, but man, did it come back like strong that night. 
I thought, man, I'm going to hit the ball over the fence. He's just going to, he's just going to go, you are the, I have never, oh my God, you're the best preacher I've ever heard in my life. And you know, I wanted to hear something like that. Like every son wants to know that they're, they're great. And you tell your sons and daughters they're great. You tell them. So I agonized in my office. And it finally came. I mean, I thought, I'm going to preach on generational sin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm going to break the devil off him. No, no, Jesus. No, no. I mean, I had like, I was looking at old messages. And I'm praying. And I'm fasting. And my wife's praying for me. I couldn't come up with one thing. And then I, I went into a vision. I had a vision. Which were a little uncommon for me then. Now they're, they're more frequent. But, and may they come even more frequently. Jesus. I have a vision, and the vision is this whole story. Prodigal son, motion picture. I see the whole thing. All the points that literally I, well, not all of them. I didn't see the slavery one that I shared with you, but about all the points I shared this morning came really from the vision that I had then. And I saw this, and when I, I was weeping and crying, and when I came out, when I came out of the vision, I realized I'm supposed to preach the message on the prodigal son. I thought, oh my gosh, that's guts. I thought, but there was, it was just undeniable. I got up and preached the message on the prodigal son. I'm pretty sure it's the worst preaching I've ever done in my life. I went long. I felt like it was boring. I was just being so hard on myself. Half the church knew my testimony. The other half didn't. At the end of service, at the end of service, I gave an altar call. I said, if you want to receive Jesus, you want your sins forgiven. You want to come home. You want to come home. You want to come back to God whether it be for the first time or make a recommitment, lift your hand. My father's hand shot up in my own service. And it just messes me up to think about it. And he's weeping. He's crying. And my dad prayed the prayer of salvation. And everybody that knew me and knew him and knew my testimony, they're all crying. All my leaders are crying. Everybody's crying. I didn't know how I was even going to end that service. I just sort of closed. May the Lord bless you. And I held on to the pulpit trembling and shaking because that which I had cried out for four years, God did in my own service. I prayed He'd send anybody. Send a television preacher. Send anybody. Send some of those crazy people that knocks on doors. Anything. Use anything. Save my dad, God. Save my dad. And He brings into my own church and lets me lead my own Father back to the Lord, which is a picture of what God is doing in these last days. The spirit of Elijah is being poured out, and the hearts of the fathers are turning to the children, and the children to the fathers, lest he strike the earth with a curse. Don't you cut your kids out of your heart. Okay, they burned you. They did things. Let your heart break like the heart of the Father. Don't you cut them out. You did the same stinking thing. Hello, every one of us did. Can I preach in here? Is that okay? It's my church, so I'm going to do it anyway. My father lifted his hand. He prayed the prayer. Man, I was trembling. I'm just saying, it, it happened. Oh, God. Oh, God, you answered my prayer of, of, you know, whatever it was, 15 years. Oh, Jesus. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to fall out. I'm good. I'm good. And I just kind of like control myself. I wiped my tears. I'm like, okay, I got it. I stepped out from my pulpit. I'm walking pretty good. I mean, I was really wrecked. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I took one step off my platform and my father ran at me. And he grabbed me and he's, just, he's a little smaller than I am. He wept in my neck. 
and cried and begged for my forgiveness for being a horrible father. And I tried to let him off the hook. I said, you weren't that bad. He said, no, no, no. I was bad. I said, okay, yeah, you were, yeah. (laughs) Restoration must come between you and God. Restoration must come between you and your children. This is the heart of the Father. This is His heart on Father's Day. This is it. Let's live like this. A couple more points in application. And I'm closing. As a church, as a people, we can reflect the Father's heart as we witness, as we share our faith, as we reach out to people. We can reflect the Father's heart as we pray and as we fast. I believe the Father did that for His Son. I believe that. We can fast and pray and see change. Be a part of these prayer things, noon to two. He said, I can't make it. Okay, well then just noon to two, we're in prayer. Just be in prayer wherever you're at. Pray without ceasing. And when you can make it, come. Give yourself to times of prayer and fasting. Don't don't just think it's just going to roll over. It's the next step. Prayer and fasting. You want to see breakthrough? Do it. We'll come. As we give, we reflect the heart of God. Kill the fatted calf. Through a party. It was sacrificial. It cost him. Cost him to do that. It costs to live for Jesus, but the reward is out of this world. Every time you give in an offering, every time you, you give of yourself, every time you, you sow seed or give alms, you know what alms is, is when you bless somebody. Every time you do that, it, it's reflecting the heart of the Father. Every time we encourage one another, it reflects His heart. When we celebrate, when we come together in a service like this or when we're at home, there should be celebration. When we do that, we reflect heaven. Stand up on your feet right now. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Lord, take out the heart of stone today. Put in the heart of flesh. Take out the heart of stone, Lord, where we've been so jaded because we've been wounded. Lord, things that have happened, we've not had your heart for the lost. We've not had your heart for our own children or our spouses. Lord, and I'm asking today, Lord, that you would release the Father's heart, God, into us. In the name of Jesus. Take out the heart of stone. Take out the heart of stone, Lord, Lord. Put in a heart of flesh. Take out the heart of stone. Take out the heart of stone, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. If you're not right with God and you, like the younger son and I, we don't know what happened to the older brother. I believe that he came to his senses also. You've been like a prodigal, and you want to give your heart to Jesus. You want to come back to the Father. You want Jesus' blood to cover you, forgive you of all your sin, if that's you whether it be for the first time or you want to make a recommitment to Him, 
all across this place. That's you. Those online, just lift your hand right now. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Anybody else? God bless you. I see that hand. Anybody else? God bless you. Come on, anybody else? You want to come back to the God? Maybe you're not where you should be and you realize, man, I need to be more on fire. Come on, you want to be included in this prayer? God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you for your honesty. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else? Let's all pray this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to my senses this morning. And I come back to you. Wash me. Cleanse me. Forgive me of all of my sin. And come into my life and be my Lord. Be my Savior. Fill me full of your Spirit. Give me your heart. Take out my broken heart. Give me a new heart. A heart of flesh. A heart of compassion. Give me a hunger for your Word. hunger for the things of God. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, touch right now. Bless right now. not for my own pain but for those who've not had a father who's who's really represented the heart of the father like this now my dad did the best he could my dad did the best that he could but you can't give what you don't have and for little boys the little girls to get wounded because because you didn't hit the ball over the fence The Lord wants to heal you. There's healing that can come to you. If you you feel like, man, I've just been wounded in an area and I need a healing. I want you just to boldly step forward. Service is almost over, but I don't want to miss this opportunity. If it's just one person, come. You've been wounded. You've been hurt. I call it the father wound. You've got to get that thing healed or you'll never be whole, brother. Men, you have to get the father wound healed because if you don't get it healed and you will not become whole, the way the, he- the wound of the father gets healed, ladies, you're all princesses, every one of you. And maybe your father never spoke that to you. Maybe things happened in your home that should never happen in any home. Unspeakable things. God can heal you today. Pastor Rex, would you come with your wife and just help me minister to some folks? The, the Spirit of God's on you to minister this very thing. Would you just help, help us just to pray over a few of these right now? I'm going to pray also. There's some other people that need to come. And if you will come, there'll be an unlocking of your heart. You'll see a difference. Now, wives, don't tell your husband, that's you. You better get up there. You just let the Spirit of God do it. Healing. Healing. Father, bring your healing right now, right now, 
You're the healer, you're the healer, you're the healer. Touch your people. Heal each and every one. In the name of the Lord. Heal the wounds. Heal the wounds, Jesus. Just put your hand on your heart. Heal. Heal the wounds, Lord. Come on. Worship team up on the platform. Take me to that place. Jesus. Heal. Pour forth your love like ointment. The name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, touch. Heal the wound. That's it. Boom. Jesus. pray for parents who've lost their children. I ask God that you would come upon us with a grace to pray. He'd give us our kids back, oh God. Bring them out of the world. Bring them out, oh God. Protect them. We join, Lord, in the prayer that's even before your throne. As Jesus makes intercession, we ask for sons and daughters to come. Lord, kids that, that, that have been separated from their parents and from their fathers, bring them back. Bring reconciliation. Turn the hearts of fathers to children and children to fathers. Give them as kids. Give them as kids, Lord. Come on, some of you, if you'll just enter in right now and cry out, don't underestimate the power of an anointed moment in God right now. You cry out to God. Come on, who cares about what anybody else thinks? If you need to go because of time, I understand. I bless you. Cry out to God. The remaining moments of this service, you will see breakthrough come in your family. Wives, cry out for your husbands. Husbands, cry out for your wives. Parents, cry out for your kids. Kids, cry out for your parents. Cry out just for a moment. God's doing something right now. He's healing people. He's bringing reconciliation. He's running. He's running. He's running towards His people. They're coming to their senses. The curse is breaking by the power of the name of Jesus. It's broken. Lord, do it. Come on, cry out to God.
the heart of the Father. This is it. You've heard of it. Come on, when people need heart surgery, I'm going to close with this. When people need heart surgery, they go in. You know, they have a stent or something put in there because they got a blockage. But there are occasions where there's open heart surgery. And I think they do total heart replacement now. Is that right, Doc? Yeah, yeah, they do. We need, we need heart replacement. And God will do that all across this place. Those online, those listening by podcast over Ustream, put your hand on your heart. Come on, just ask God right now for heart replacement. I mean, okay, so you have a degree of His love. Wonderful. We need the whole thing. We need the whole, the whole enchilada. We need heart transplant. Come on, let's ask God for it. Come on, signs follow the preaching of the Word. You might have had a hard heart. Put your hand on your heart. You know, the heart problems oftentimes come because of a hardness of heart. And too much bacon and other stuff too. There's that pig thing again. All right. Come on, put your hand on your heart. Let's pray. Father, take out the heart of stone. Take out the heart of stone. Take out. We repent for being cold-hearted. We repent, Lord, as your sons, as your daughters, for being cold, having cold love. And, Lord, it hurts to love sometimes. And love is not a feeling. It's a commitment. And, Lord, we know what love is because you laid down your life for us to model it. And we're asking, Lord, the heart that's been shown even through this parable and many others throughout Scripture, that you would give us your heart for for you, your heart for each other, your heart for the lost, that you would heal our broken hearts, that you would bring reconciliation. You even come upon us, Lord, with the spirit of Elijah to turn hearts. Come upon us, God. Come upon us to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children with the fathers. Heal families. And may we as men on this Father's Day live for you in holiness and purity and integrity and righteousness and truth with gentle hearts that are filled with the love of God. Forgive us for where we've gotten short or tried to control people with their anger or manipulation. Give us your heart, God, today. And we thank you, and we praise you, and we glorify your holy name. Would you put your hands together for God? Take someone by the hand. Make a connection as we close this morning. Went a little bit long today. Thank you for your grace. Happy Father's Day, everybody. It's a great day. Come on. God loves you. It's a great day. Thank you, Jesus. Father, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace. In Jesus' holy name, amen. God bless you. Next Sunday, we'll have the Hammonds. Friday night, it starts 7 o'clock. Don't miss it. Two tremendous prophets that will come and be here. They'll be prophesying over people and, and, and teaching on Saturday morning at 10. Sunday morning, Jane Hammond will be here. Both of them will be here Sunday night. God bless you. We love you. Praise God. He's on the throne. Devil's been defeated. Happy Father's Day, everybody.